Welcome. Welcome to our live stream worship service from the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village. We are glad that you have joined us, especially after such a stressful week in our nation. And with the COVID surge continuing, we will be sharing worship together through this live streaming format solely. We will let you know when we return to our campus outside worship experiences. But for the near future, we'll just be uh, with the small tech team, Rachel, Jenny, and I, inside live streaming to you. Yet still a powerful worship experience that I hope you will find yourself able to be open to and to experience. Now, if you are not getting our Friday evening and Sunday evening e-blast from the church office, please make sure to call the church office and request that you are included. That's the way by which we can keep up to date with one another with announcements of what's going on in the life of the church and how the church is impacting our members and the greater community. So uh, be sure to get on that e-blast list by calling into Joanna if you are not on it already. And I want to highlight just a couple things that are going on that um, you may want to be paying attention to. Uh, one is, uh, or two are this afternoon. Uh, one at 2.30 uh, to 3 o'clock, which is the free meal food collection that will be going on in our parking lot through our mission committee. And then also from 2.30 to 3.30 will be the Mana Food Drive drop-off. So um, come on down and help to participate in that by, by dropping off some sustenance for those people in need in our community. Also, I want to remind you that uh, starting this Wednesday, a very special opportunity is offered uh, to people in the church. We are having a, a book study um, of the book called Remembering Dixie, that was written by Susan Falk, who is a member of our uh, parish. Uh, she will be leading this book study. It will be Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., and it will start this Wednesday. So if you are interested in being a part of that book study, uh, call in again to the church office and register your intention, and you'll get the information needed to be a part of that study. All right, let us now center ourselves uh, for worship as we step further into this new year. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto This has been a, uh, a terribly distressing week, hasn't it, in the life of our nation? Though this may be the way that we are in America right now, our hopes are it will subside and we will return to a more stable society with 
more shared values over what is truth and justice and compassion, over loving and uplifting our neighbor for the greater good of the whole of our nation. Now this Sunday, we begin our sermon series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Pastor Rachel and I would suggest to us all that God has a different intention for how we are to be with one another than we are seeing these days. And we would invite you to come along with us and consider God's intention and how we might be helped and ennobled and perhaps even saved by living into it. So let us pray. Lord God, be present with us in this worship that we might glorify you and be nurtured through your spirit. We need your healing touch. We need your wisdom in our lives. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to invite the children of the church to come close to your TV monitors, to your computer screens, however you're worshiping with us today, so that we can have a conversation together. This week in our Celebrate Wonder curriculum, we're talking about the baptism of our Lord, Jesus' baptism, and we hear about how Jesus gathered with community to celebrate with his, with his, uh, cousin, John the Baptist, to be baptized by him and to remind us that we are connected through community together to God's love. I asked some of the children of the church to share pictures of their baptism with us, and as I continue talking, Warren's going to share them on the screen for us. First, we're going to see a picture of Lainey at her baptism with Pastor Brian holding her and her looking at awe at another baby. And then we have a picture of Mark and Maya at their baptism at the Simi Valley United Methodist Church uh, with Warren and I holding them and Pastor Andy talking to the children of the church, just like I talk to you when we do a baptism here in this place, reminding you that you are a part of their baptism and their journey of faith. And then lastly, we have a picture of Macy and her baptism with her mom and dad and us sharing a moment together with joy in her faith are on her face because the truth is is that baptism is a moment of joy it reminds us that we have a group of people who are gathering with us to help us grow in our faith and to help us understand who God is in our lives 
I have a special blessing for us this day, and I want this to be our prayer for this week. Every time that you come into water or experience water, whether it be in your bath time or as you're taking a shower or as you're washing your hands for 20 seconds, I want you to remember this. With every drop of water, I remember your love, Lord. With the gifts I have been given, I will share your love. With your happiness, I am an example of your love. Amen. Please join me in a moment of prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we greet you this day with praise and thanksgiving. Be with us as we envision ourselves walking up the mountain so that we could sit at your feet and learn your message that you wanted to share with your disciples so long ago and with us again this day. Help us to see where our blessings lie, and how we might live in the world as people who represent your will, your love, and your light to those that surround us. You gave us an example of what a leader should be like, someone who invests themselves in community, someone who takes time to listen and to share and to impart wisdom. Help us to get back to that place of learning and gleaning from you and from our other leaders. Allow all of us that are in leadership positions, take that responsibility seriously, to find ways to be in community with one another, to reach across divisions of theology, of politics, of difference, so that we might truly learn from one another, hear each other, listen, absorb, and find ways to work together across our lines of division so that we might be people who truly represent what the kingdom is supposed to be like. Inspire us, empower us, embolden us to live your will and to listen to your profound words that are taught to us in the Sermon on the Mount. As we are your people, we come together lifting up the prayers of our church community. We lift up prayers for Linda Northrup as she prepares for surgery on Monday. Be with her that she feels your presence and be with her doctors that they have keen eyes and steady hands to perform the surgery well. We lift up prayers for Judy Palmquist who was in the Simi Valley Hospital for a few days this past week. We rejoice that she is back home, but we ask you to be with her in this time of recovery and healing. We lift up prayers for Elaine Fay's mother, who has been diagnosed with COVID. 
be with Elaine's mother as well as all of those that are combating this virus right now. Be with them that they might know your presence. They might see how you are guiding them, supporting them, and offering the healing that they need, Lord. We lift up prayers with Karee Lewis for her friends Lorraine and Glenn, who are working to get Glenn's father into advanced dementia care and experiencing some difficulties, especially because of the COVID and social distancing requirements. Be with them that they can discern the best care for, Ron, or for Glenn's father, Ron, and that they might know the ways in which you are guiding their hands at this time. Lord, be with Jason Surratt as he grieves the passing of his father at the end of December, and Jerry McRae Isaacs as she grieves the passing of her daughter, Sherry. It is so difficult, Lord, to, to be apart from our family as we grieve the passing of one so dear. Be with each of them as they celebrate lives and mourn in their own specific ways. Let them know that they are surrounded by a family of faith who loves them, supports them, and will walk this journey with them. Lord, you heard Pastor Walt talk about what was happening at our nation earlier this day, or earlier today as he was speaking, and we ask that you just continue to give us discernment so that we as a nation can figure out how to walk this path and this road faithfully representing you and discerning your will. We pray all of these things lifting up the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't know anything about my dad. Like, I really don't know anything about my mom except for some crazy stuff. But that's really it, you know what I mean? Just, I just remember being three, four years old going into the orphanage and that's literally what my life was. Being in Russia at the time, you don't really think it's bad because you don't know what good is. Then you come out here and you're like, whoa, you know what I mean? It's different, so. In an orphanage, you know, sometimes everybody got you to eat, sometimes not everybody got you to eat. Sometimes you had staff trying to eat, you know, some staff were there to like help themselves because their life wasn't easy either, you know. It's cold. I remember getting in trouble a lot, like just having to sit in the corner. You have parents, you got food, you got a place to sleep. These are things you don't have to worry about. I didn't speak English or nothing, so I was just like, I didn't know what you do. It was kind of scary, and the air was different. It's the whole new world, I guess. You realize you're like, you're different from everybody else. You see parents dropping kids off and be like, I love you, or you know what I mean? I'd go out in public, and I'd see like family and parents' interactions, and I would be like, why isn't it like this with us? I feel like no matter what I did, I wasn't their son. Just started being disobedient, just started doing dumb things at school. We're gonna send you back to Russia. 
you dig yourself a grave so much, you can only dig it so much, you know what I mean? And then sometimes people just get tired of it and you just gotta move on. I've had a family for a little short amount of time, but if I can't say anything about family, like, I feel like Casa Pacifica staff is like family. From all the other group homes that I've been to, I've never came out and I seen like all the kids just playing, everybody was just happy, and I was like, what is going on here, you know what I mean? In the real world, people aren't just walking up to you because they see you homeless and being like, hey, what's going on with you? Let me help you. You know, it's, they just look at you and be like, this guy should go get a job. We're young, we, should, we can do something with ourselves, you know what I mean? But sometimes we need that extra drive and push and somebody to help us. And that's what Casa was for me. I was able to get a job, I was able to get my own place with the help of Casa staff. If it weren't for Casa, like I would just be on drugs, I'd be hanging around with the wrong crowd. I think Casa gave me hope and that willingness to actually like strive and achieve to accomplish my goals and dreams, you know? What a compelling story Dimitri has to tell. Dimitri represents the over 42,000 children who have been helped in the past 25 years by Casa Pacifica. It is a local organization on Lewis Road in Camarillo. And every four hours, they admit a youth into one of their programs. Casa Pacifica works with 4,000 of our area's vulnerable yet valuable children and their families annually. They have 14 services and programs that they provide. One of the programs available to youth like Dimitri helps young adults who have recently aged out of the foster care system and find themselves with limited family support, few emotional connections, and minimal financial assistance. This program is called Transitional Youth Services. It helps these vulnerable youth enter and remain in further education, enables them to seek and secure employment, and provide stable housing, and helps them to learn how to be positive contributors to our community. Now, Casa Pacifica supports three housing sites for transitional youth like Dimitri. One is in Camarillo, one is in Oxnard, and one is in Ventura. These sites can accommodate up to 16 residents. All of the sites are supervised. While their shelter needs are being met, Casa Pacifica relies on donors like you to fill the gap between what it receives in government funding and the many extras these youth need. We are the families for these children and we desire to give them a fighting chance to transition into responsible adults and succeed. 
Your donation today will go towards Casa Pacifica's transitional youth services and someone like Dimitri. Thank you for your consideration. Good morning. 
Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and chapter 5, verse 2b. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in all the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Soon his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and began to speak and taught them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. worship much in my PJs, yet since December 27th, worship was pre-recorded and it was vacation time after all. That's just what Debbie and I did on the couch, in the living room, fireplace crackling. And as that Dilge preacher on the monitor was talking about the Holy Family making the journey from the temple from, uh, to the temple from Bethlehem while referring to, to Swanson's artwork, I leaned over to Deb and said, you know, I've made that walk too from Bethlehem to the Holy City, Jerusalem, just like the Holy Family. You did? Why? was her response, just to get into it, to get into the story, to get a sense of what was going on, what it was, was like, I told her. You know, it's always helpful, for example, if you're going to comment on some art or if you're going to make some observations about a ball game, to have done some painting or played some sports. So, I felt if you're going to discuss Scripture and, and you have the opportunity, it's always good to have walked the land, work up a little sweat and get some grit into your mouth. And so you can imagine climbing the Mount of Beatitudes was also on the to-do list when I was in Israel. 
I hiked along the north shore of the Sea of Galilee from Tabca towards Capernaum and then, then up the hillside. And going up that hillside, I found a cave denting the side of the mount halfway towards the top. And my, my religious imagination just, just started to, to soar. I paused there, prayed, read some scripture, and I felt like I was uh, transported to another time and another place. As I gazed over the hillside out towards the Sea of Galilee, I could, I could imagine the scene of today's scripture. I invite you to, to picture that if you can. Here's the background to today's scripture that we get from what Matthew tells leading into it. The Holy Family has returned from Egypt and they've been rearing Jesus all these years now in Nazareth. Uh, more recently, John has been baptizing in the Jordan and Jesus went and was baptized and then he retreated into the wilderness up on that mount that you get to see from uh, Jericho for an experience of getting clarity in his calling and being tempted to define the breadth of that calling. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Wilderness and begins a ministry with these words. Repent. The kingdom of God has come near. He enlists a few brother disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. We're told that he travels throughout Galilee, not just right up there around Capernaum, but throughout Galilee, over across the River Jordan, down a little bit south to the, the ten cities, Greco-Roman cities. We're told that he went down as far as Jerusalem, Judea. And now he's back up in that area, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he attracts a great crowd. He ascends the mount there, and he sits, and he begins teaching. Can you picture this? Picture this in your minds. I Google this this afternoon, and you'll see something to help you imagine what's going on. The Sermon on the Mount is presented in these three chapters of Matthew and we get a, a good sense of Jesus being just like a good rabbi would be, going up, sitting down, sharing wisdom from on high. It's reminiscent of Moses on Mount Sinai and that's by intention on Jesus' part, we think. This is considered Jesus' keynote speech, you might say. Uh, primary focus is on the kingdom of God and its qualities, along with tips on how we connect to God and how we are to live with God. There's four basic parts to the sermon 
on the mount. The beginning is the Beatitudes, and then we get these uh, language about, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, they're called the extensions of the, uh, of the Jewish law. We get, get words uh, about piety and some tips on how to do that well, and then we get some cautions, some accountability and judgment words. Priorities for us. Cautions to pay attention to these priorities for us. Amy Jill Levine is a professor at Vanderlip Divinity School, and she remarks that the Sermon on the Mount is a beginner's guide, a beginner's guide to the kingdom of God. It's a theological pep talk, she says. The kingdom of God is a place where God rules and life is as God wants rather than as humanity has made it. This is the basic premise of the incarnation, it seems to me, as we reflect upon it coming out of Christmas. What is all this business about that we celebrated at Christmas? What was God up to? What was God's intention with the incarnation? Well, we said that God was bringing forth a new thing, and what was that new thing? It's the kingdom of God reconstructed here on earth. God helping people by sharing of God's self intimately in Christ Jesus. Helping people to get on board in a new way to that which God has been intending for us all along. God intends creation to be his peaceable kingdom and not a sinful kingdom wasteland can you picture in your mind what a peaceable kingdom versus a sinful wasteland might look like what would be their qualities the incarnation and his resurrection help usher in this new creation help to bring it forward this is foundational to our Christian faith, what we think God is doing through Christ Jesus. It's bringing forward the kingdom of God for all of God's children. And the kingdom of God is a different place than earth, we're told, yet we experience it on earth wherever and whenever God's sovereignty is embraced. And that sovereignty is lived out in our words and in our actions. That is where the kingdom of God is that we experience here in our lives on earth at this time. We maximize it, friends. We maximize it or we minimize it. And that is why Jesus often will say words such as, the kingdom of God is among you. Or the kingdom of God is besides you, he's remembered as saying. Or the kingdom of God is present to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. The kingdom of God is both 
present and future. Now and, and not yet. In that, in our current lives, we do connect with God, right? That is what we believe. We connect with God and, and on occasion, we actually follow God. And we live into God's will for ourselves and for our community and our world. And so from that point of view, we say the kingdom of God is now. Yet it is also not yet in that it is not fully present or dominant or consummated fully among us. So though we do celebrate our partnership with God in the kingdom, and that is a, an exciting and privileged thing of faith, we acknowledge that there is more to God's kingdom than what at present is actualized through our efforts at holiness, our efforts at righteousness. That we see so often as too feeble. Yet, know this, when God's sovereignty is fully embraced, God's kingdom will be fully realized among us. Your will be done on heaven as well as earth. Until then, until then, it is like we are seeing through a glass darkly, isn't it? Thank you, St. Paul. Father Richard Rohr writes in his book, Jesus' Plan for a New World, these words, The now and not yet reign of God is the foundation of our personal hope and our cosmic optimism. Yeah. But it is also the source of our deepest alienation from the world as it is. Our task is to learn how to live in both worlds until they become one world, at least in us. We thank Father Rohr for that insightful realization of our awkward situation. This is not easy work on our part, living in this in-between time. And let us say outright that we are thankful for God's tender mercies and forgiving grace as we stumble forward in trying to be our best selves, to live into the image God has intended for us as children of God towards God's kingdom. Yet such is our life. 
and we live towards our better selves and are grateful for the help of God in doing it. Or we live towards our worst selves and we curse the God that created the mess. Our choice. Your choice. Now we think your presence today with us in worship highlights your answer to that question. You are saying it is your intention to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen well to his insights about life and his directions for living. Together, in God's Spirit, we gather on the mountainside with our hurts and our hopes, our yearnings and our aspirations at the feet of Jesus. Now, we all know too well that so often God's intentions are at odds with the ways and the will of the world. Hence the words, hence the words repentance, redemption, transformation. Take on a real life of meaning for us striving for faithfulness. It is not God's intention that we come to faith and remain the same compromised and sinful person we were beforehand. Can I get an amen? God intends to bless us into becoming different, better. And that different and that better looks like what you hear in the Sermon on the Mount. The old order of the fallen creation is subverted by Jesus. And we are invited to let go of the self-created ego words, worlds that we have created around ourselves, as, as Father Rohr likes to call it, and collapse back into the true self that God has created us to be, who God intends us to be. Hallelujah. This is our work. This is our blessing to have this work. Father Rohr writes, the gospel is a way of seeing and being in the world because of God. Jesus speaks to the heart saying, God is on your side. God can be trusted. The universe is safe and benevolent. Trust yourself, trust one another, and God. There is no reason to be afraid. It's all heading towards something good. 
Hold on to these affirmations, dear friends. Let them guide your life and bolster your spirit through all the challenges of these days. We are on a journey back to the garden. We are on a journey to the kingdom. We are kingdom people recognizing and embracing God's sovereignty and thereby helping to construct, helping to make, helping to spread the kingdom of grace, of love. So Pastor Rachel and I invite you to gather around, to settle in at the feet of Jesus on the mountainside with the sea of of Galilee glistening off in the distance. We invite you to open your mind, your heart, your spirit to God's word of grace and love, of rebirth into a new creation. We begin this series of sermons on the sermon on the Mount with a special focus on the Beatitudes and an abiding hope, an abiding hope that we will comprehend these powerful statements, well, a little bit better than those delightful characters in Monty Python's Life of Brian. Stephen Westerhold of McGaster McMaster University writes of the Beatitudes as focusing on the character and the behavior of those who participate in God's rule. The character and behavior of those who embrace God's sovereignty. This is what it is supposed to look like, he says. These are the qualities and the attributes of the kingdom of God. It's not a quintotic ideals of a deluded prophet, he writes, but reality as disclosed by the Lord of all. Not strange ideals by a deluded prophet. Imagine him saying that, right? Do we see these Beatitudes like that? Are we tempted that way? Are we tempted to say, well, that's a little too much, Jesus. That's a little off base, Lord. You don't really mean this, do you, God? McMaster University professor Stephen Westerholm would say, Yep. Yep. Jesus means it. This is what it's supposed to look like. Well, we're going to dig into these things. We're going to try to look closely at this reality, which is now kind of hidden from us, but is supposed to bubble up and be manifest among us through God's grace. And we're going to 
ask one another if Jesus actually meant this, how can we walk with him and be this? God help us. So I invite you, please, come on this journey, journey with Pastor Rachel and, and me and strive for a clarity of vision as to which side of the divide you will shelter your soul. This in-between time can be tough. Follow Jesus' way and take his hand and it will be well. Amen. In this time, we focus on the character and the behavior of our faith and how we might live in the world. We have the opportunity to think about how we might give to the church and represent God's light and love to the world. You will be invited to prayerfully consider what gifts you might give today, both to the running of this church and to the uh, mission moment Casa Pacifica. We ask you to also prayerfully consider how you might give in this coming year to help continue the ministry of our congregation and our worshiping community. Let us receive the gift of music.
Now, I, I need to apologize just for a second that I didn't warn you that we were having communion today. It is the second Sunday, and um, you, you might not have anticipated that um, we would do this since this is our first time together um, live with you um, since last week was a, uh, a broadcast of the, the conference worship service. So I'm going to tread water here just for a little second and give you an opportunity to run to the kitchen and get some bread and juice and uh, bring it back if you haven't done that yet. You'll want to find some uh, uh, great unleavened bread. You have that in your kitchen, don't you? Um, well, we don't, but uh, we do have some uh, nice bread, and I, I think Debbie has gotten that. She was aware of what was going on, having been part of my life. So she's got some bread and juice, and, and we're using... Uh, Rachel, I don't know about in your family, but we're using uh, those little wooden uh, Bethlehem or uh, garden tomb, Bethlehem olive wood uh, cups when we have communion at home, Um, Mm -hmm. which makes it another way of uh, being very special for us. So um, let us now, as, as we hopefully do have our supplies with us now at the table by us. Center our spirits upon these words of uh, prayer, thanksgiving, and consecration. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator and sovereign of the universe, our light and salvation. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. Truly holy are you. In the fullness of time, you revealed yourself in your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Through him, we are saved and baptized into your service. During this epiphany season, we remember that you sent a star to guide wise men to where Christ was born. And your signs and witnesses in every age and through all of the world have led persons from far distances to him. In his baptism and in his table fellowship, he identified with sinners. He preached good news to the poor and proclaimed release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, set free the oppressed, and announced that the time had come when you would save your people. His disciples betrayed and deserted him. He took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and offered it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the meal was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you once more, and offered it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. Your presence has continued with his people as they have been baptized into him. And in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Therefore, in remembrance of all of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we who in past years have been baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ now offer ourselves anew in union with Christ's sacrifice for us as a living and holy surrender of ourselves. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup we may know the presence of the living Christ be one body in him cleansed by his blood and look forward to his coming and final victory through him with him in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit all honor and glory is yours almighty God now and forever. That is it, dear friends. May you be blessed through this worship this morning, drawn closer into oneness with our Lord and God through this sacrament and in oneness with one another by the intention of our faith. Go today, go today in the light of God, knowing that with God's Spirit, you are well equipped to face the challenges of these days. Help God's will prevail so that our lives overflow with peace and justice, grace and mercy, so that our lives overflow with love. Be safe, stay healthy, and know that you are loved. Amen. Shine.